Welcome one, welcome all. Welcome to the Bricks in the Wall. I am your host, Juan, aka Truth.in.media on Instagram and TikTok, which I don't really use TikTok. Anyways, today we have a great uh, guest. She's actually a recurring guest. She was back here in episode 33. Uh, she's a licensed clinical worker. Uh, she's the founder of Love is Healing, which is a coalition of basically counselors and self-coaches for people who are trying to like overcome past trauma, uh, and some type of healing that they need to do within themselves. She's a psychotherapist. She works through and with Reiki. She's uh, very deep into spirituality and into alternative ways of having a holistic approach toward healing oneself. Uh, she's a great, I love the way that she speaks, uh, she's, uh, went to college, she has a whole degree, so she has a very deep insight into how the work, the, the mind, the human mind works, the psychology and how it affects us, and so this is a really interesting talk, guys, I hope y'all dig it, and so without any further ado, how you doing? Hi, thank you, I'm doing well, how are you? I'm good, thanks for coming back on. Of course. Thanks it's, for having me. It's been a while. Um, 33 episode, episode 33, maybe, do you remember around when that was? I want to say it was about a year ago. It was like some, like June to August sometime maybe oh, okay, last year. Okay, okay, okay. So we've had some life experience and a um, couple of things I wanted to talk with you today, but we're just going to take it nice and slow. Um, I actually wanted to have you on to talk about a couple of things. Um I, my plan was to have you on and to talk maybe about the conspiratorial mind and how it can sometimes run away from people and even level-headed people can sometimes get swept up in ideology and do or make actions that at one point they regret and maybe we can also tie that in how that works also with anger and just the fact that humans will get swept up with their emotions and not be able to discern or check themselves if what they believe is even right. Okay. So what would you like to, how would you like to start off or approach this subject? I guess we could start there. Okay. Yeah, do you have any specific questions or? Well, I, I guess I just, my, my, menta- my, the way that I wanted to talk about this was that in this game, I'm sure that you've noticed that there's people who are like, mentally saying you know they're actually questioning reality and they're trying to get to the bottom of things and figure things out and they kind of know how to discern how far to push something or how far deep to go into something but maybe specifically I would kind of maybe want to see what your clinical analysis would be of a person who gets up and swept up in such ideas as the January 6th thing that happened with Donald Trump and people who kind of were already on the verge of, I don't know, mental issues, and they get into this whole subject of conspiracies, which is very intriguing, as you might know. It's very captivating, and it can kind of send you down this path of, I don't know, have you heard the term blackpilled? Actually, no. What is it? So black pill is like, well, I'm sure you know red pill is like when you, in the Matrix, you take the red pill and your mind is open to the idea that what you know or what you've been led up to believe might not be the truth. But then people go very far down that rabbit hole and they become black pill to where they start believing that everything's out to get them. 
they start to believe that they have to pick up maybe even a weapon and fight for their cause. Like you might see this in people who go through religious extremes and, you know, start killing people in the name of God and such. Um, what would you say about people who are maybe tinkering with this conspiracy realm, trying to find their spirituality and not get deceived by people who prey on people who are actually looking for the truth? Let's see if I can, I guess I'll just share kind of what's coming to mind. I took some notes as you were sharing all that. Okay. It's a lot, right? Right. It's a lot. Every person is different and it just kind of depends kind of on the situation. What came to mind was, okay. <clears throat> I mean, I went to this training. I want to say it was maybe like in June or May of this year, maybe even earlier definitely early 2023 and it was by a psychiatrist who's canadian and it was a psychotherapy training on trauma treatment right actually people with like borderline personality disorder and dissociative identity disorder which was which used to be like called split personality disorder mm. severe trauma right it was it was really fascinating but then he started talking about the cia oh. and then he was like yeah i have like 70 70 some books or whatever on the cia and i'm like really <laughs> on psychological operations and i'm like what this man is older than i he's a white man he's he's into this and he's like like exposing it mm -hmm. anyhow he talks about how he used to have clients who like would recount stories and they, they were all clients that didn't know each other and they, they all recounted the same kind of stories of experiencing that kind of trauma right kind of being like kidnapped or something like that and his children being experimented on by the cia allegedly right mm -hmm. which is interesting because i I met someone once online who shared that she had that same experience. And what he was saying is, is the, the exact same thing that she told me. So it's just really interesting, right? right. And children are really easy kind of to shape, we'll put it that way, right? So I, I feel like that makes sense. Yes, Anyhow, yes. So, so that's one thing that I just kind of want to mention for anybody who's interested or something. And then, so let's talk a little bit about trauma, right? Trauma, I believe, again, that everybody, like, if you're born, if you're human, you've experienced trauma. And so it's just kind of like, how much trauma have you had? And then how long did it last? And are you still exposed to it now? Right? Mm -hmm. But but there's kind of a certain set of symptoms that we all kind of develop. One of the symptoms is called hypervigilance. Hypervigilance is whatever my trauma was, I'm going to keep looking for that everywhere that I go. Oh, okay. So, right. So, if, for example, I'm just gonna say that like a Mexican guy like five five stabbed me. I'm gonna be hyper vigilant every time that I see a Mexican guy that's five five. <laughs> right. 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 Uh, or let's say it's a it's a white woman who stabbed me who's five five. Whatever. Like then I'm gonna be looking for that and assume that she's dangerous. And mm -hmm. like that. And On do one you, hand, do you think that's overt or do you think that happens at a subliminal level? Well, it's a protective thing because the brain needs to keep us safe. That's that's its job, right? Mm -hmm. So, yes, it's just kind of automatic. But then, and, and we need it to be, but then we start to, like, heal. And then we can either choose to look at it and be like, oh, is this serving me? Or like, oh, this is getting out of hand. Mm -hmm. Yes, right? yes. So we're, we're going to suspend that for a little bit. And then I'm thinking about, like, conspiracy theories and things like that, right? Or red-pilling yourself, and and things it's like yes 
it is a lot of information. Also, a lot of it is really traumatic, right? It is about traumas and atrocities that are occurring on a daily basis that we can't really escape, actually. So that touches on several layers. One, exposing oneself to trauma, which you can develop PTSD by experiencing trauma yourself, mm. by, by literally watching someone else go through it, right? Oh, wow. And also by, by exposing yourself to the stories. Mm-hmm. Well, so, so that's interesting. I never thought about giving yourself PTSD. Like I can picture someone going to war and getting PTSD or somebody getting, like you said, stabbed and having PTSD, but giving it to yourself by uh, feeding yourself such media, that's that's an interesting idea that that would lead down to hypervigilance and then like all these mental issues. Continue, please. Of course, of course. So those are different things that I'm thinking about by Kira's trauma. And then there's another thing, but I, I lost my train of thought. I can't remember. So, yeah. And then it's like, I don't know, right? Period. Also, looking at it kind of more culturally, if you, if you, if you start to go down the rabbit hole and you don't have social support, you don't have other p- people who believe what you believe or like who can kind of support you in some kind of way through it, it is very, it can be very isolating and it can cause shame, it can cause embarrassment, it can just cause anger which like it's fine that could happen with anything if i decided that i wanted to become an artist of some kind and my family is all doctors or something to use a stereotypical kind of example like they could make fun of me and that would be really devastating to me right and i'd have all these feelings but it's probably just going to recreate stuff that's already there if i already have a really strong fear of rejection because i was rejected by all these doctors in my family then it's just going to keep recreating that dynamic. So, for example, if I'm like, I'm the only one who believes in conspiracy theories and things like that, I'm going to create a reality that reflects that. Mm. Right? And and then that's going to be touch on a point that, like, I'm already traumatized from in childhood of, like, abandonment, rejection, that kind of thing. Right? Mm-hmm. Which is a really complex... One second, one second. That's a really complex thing. So, like, if you miss that a little bit, kind of go back. I would say go back, re-listen to that maybe a few times because that is kind of a complex kind of situation. But were you going to say something? No, no, no. Okay. So let's say that, right? Here I am. I am, and actually this has happened to me. Here I am. I'm going down the rabbit hole, right? Um, and I'm like, holy moly, this is happening. I had a feeling like it seems true, uh, right? Or I like... I have evidence, whatever. I've heard stories, whatever, first-hand accounts that it's true. Okay, cool. I try telling people they don't believe me, they don't believe me, they don't believe me. I'm lucky, I'm fortunate that everybody that I talk to does believe in conspiracy theories, thankfully, right? Right. And has done research, thankfully. But I, I come in with that belief matrix, thankfully. But I know plenty who don't. And so, like, either way, though, what has happened to me is that the fabric of reality has fallen from under me. And the veils of reality or whatever, like have kind of become really thin. Yeah. Right. And so I think we, we compare that with the hypervigilance and then they can go into psychosis. Thankfully I haven't gone into full psychosis, but like, you know, I mean, it can happen and I have seen it happen of like, Oh wow. Like I'm not even sure what's even really real, which is a normal response. If you were taught that, school is real and you need to get a job and you need to do all these things and you need to fit in the box and and these things are true but then you're getting all this information that it's not true and you don't have anybody to help walk you through these realizations 
of course it's going to be really confusing and devastating to the psyche because there's no ground to fall on like what i thought was true what kept me safe isn't Mm, wow that's a lot of uh interesting factors that you just tied in together and that's kind of like the type of personality that i saw from a lot of the people that just got swept up in that whole uh, in uh, January 6th thing, it was a lot of, like you said, secluded people who were by themselves, who didn't have like-minded people by them. They were watching all these traumatic things about whether it's uh, child trafficking, uh, the, the deep state, the undercover uh, operations that go on, all these dark things. They're giving themselves PTSD. And then include that with the fact that I think one out of four people have mental issues. And then couple with that the fact that people are consuming drugs uh, that are not good for their mental state or kind of numbs them out. Couple all those things together, it's kind of like the perfect recipe to, to create people to fall into these delusions in which they believe that they're actually fighting for... I don't know, the country, and they go to, and fly and go to Washington, D.C. and actually, like, go and break into the Capitol. That's, it's, it's, it's sad how we have that many people who, like, get swept up like that. But wh- what is your opinion about political ideology and how it can infect people? Hmm. Well... Is it okay if I touch on delusions a little bit first and then go into the political ideology? Sure, please. Okay, perfect. So I think we had talked about how maybe we were going to discuss this. So this isn't my area of specialty, but I did have a lot of thoughts that I I know are pretty basic facts and things that I've kind of construed in my practice, right? Or come to realize maybe. So delusions. Delusions are basically beliefs that are not grounded in reality. They come from, in my understanding, because again, I specialize in trauma, so I look at everything in that lens and kind of how it originates from trauma. So according to me, a trauma specialist, it comes from a disconnect from the body, right? Uh, Or we could call it dissociation is what the clinical term is, because the reality when we're growing up is too harsh and too overwhelming. And that stems from severe neglect, typically emotional neglect, severe abuse, usually humiliation, right? And so there's this disconnect from the body so that it can cope, so that the psyche can kind of like vacate the premises, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so the, the kind of behaviors and the presentation clinically that we see is like dreamlike, people being very dreamlike or daydreaming or very spacey. We can also see forgetfulness, challenges in memory recall, keeping track of tasks. And these are very close to PTSD symptoms. If not, I like identical. It just kind of depends on like, you know, it's a very fine line between all of these. It can also look a lot like ADHD. There's a lot of overlap. So anyhow, so then I think you asked me about delusions of grandeur in particular, right? Right. So that's a sense of grandiosity, like I'm here, I am I am a hero, I'm going to rescue people, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And so when that happens, it's usually that <clears throat> people suffered greatly and needed someone to rescue them from their very, very traumatic experiences as a child. And so a part of them a part of their psyche kind of splits off and then becomes a rescuer for the self and for other people. Right. Mm -hmm. And it tends to be like a really angry kind of part. And it is a really, it's kind of like an idealized version of an adult. Right. So one second, I have an idea. Okay. Um, And then it overcompensates too. Right. And really 
what the person has is a really low sense of self-esteem and and it's an imbalance but it's like the person kind of doesn't even know that the low self-esteem exists and that the wounds exist because there's such a great disconnect and there's an overcompensation and there's all this pride but they're not in touch with it they're not aware because they disconnected because they were forced to because of the severe trauma wow um yeah, that's that's making me think about the. I'm sure you know about the five stages of grief. Maybe you can sum them up really quickly. But I I think right now I just got the idea of. Because it is very tricky. Because like you said, when you go down these rabbit holes, there are things that are real, and then there is evidence. But people, I believe, once they start going down these rabbit holes and they start like opening their mind, they start believing that they've been lied to about totally everything and then they start believing even like the silliest stuff like I don't know if you've heard the conspiracy theory that birds are not real that they're all robots and and mm-hmm. I've had people who like send me stuff like hey have you heard about this there's the birds aren't real they're surveillance systems and I'm like whoa 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 how, how do you how do you get there like wh- what is going on or what what's yeah what's going on with you that you go that far to believe these delusions or these ideas that are being fed to you and how does this happen to where you start like veering off the path and believing almost anything so i'm thinking maybe there's also stages for the conspiracy theorists like i'm sure at first you somebody sends you a video or something and then you start to doubt so maybe the first thing is doubt or being skeptical and then maybe the next stage would be something like okay you start questioning and pondering and thinking about it and then maybe you start admitting it. Okay, maybe that is true. But then I guess somewhere along that point, a schism happens and you start to think that in that way, you start looking at everything in that way that, oh, it might be wrong. I, I might be, I was fed the wrong thing growing up. And then like you said, couple it with um, disassociation, neglect, abuse, humiliation, all those things. It kind of, I guess, sends you down this path of, I guess, kind of going crazy would you agree or how would you uh describe that yes i would agree i would agree um do you have a specific question on that or just kind of thinking um i guess how how do you think somebody goes down the path of believing that birds are not real like do you think that's a, a mental issue or do you think they have like, what do you think is going on to where somebody starts to believe things like that? Okay, perfect. Yes. <clears throat> what happens is when we experience trauma, people use slightly different words, right? So I'm just going to say it this way. When, when we experience trauma, parts of us kind of freeze in those moments of, in time, right? And so we could say we, had, we experienced soul loss. That's what we would say kind of shamanically, right? Or just there's parts of us that are kind of frozen in time. Anyhow, and, and it's frozen in that moment in time. So if, if I had a traumatic experience that happened when I was three, whenever I get triggered again, I'm three years old emotionally. Mm. Until I integrate that split off part of me. And when I do kind of reconnect with that part of me, I have to like tend to that three-year-old and treat it like it's three as it continues to age developmentally in regard to that thing. So for example, let's say I experienced political atrocities when I was three years old, right? And let's say that I am by conservative, so then I'm a liberal, right? Because of those atrocities and my parents kind of align with all those things. Okay, fine. But then as I get older, like 
I don't know, it's not so black and white because integration isn't black and white. It allows for a cohesive parts of self. And a cohesive sense of self is a mature adult, sorry, a mature adult who has empathy for self and for other people and gives grace when there are mistakes and things like that. Mm -hmm. This cohesive sense of self is not judgmental. It's a mature parent really that lives within us that can help guide other people that's open, things like that. Right. So when we don't see that in other people, that's because they have younger parts of them that are split off because of trauma, which looks like, which can look a lot like anger. So to take your example, right, let's say someone experienced a lot of, you know, trauma, whatever, and, and they're like, oh, well, I'm the savior and it's up to me and things like that. Okay. Honestly, we could also call that magical thinking. And that, and that is a symptom of, of trauma is magical thinking, right? And like emotional maturity. And that's fine. Um, so, cool. So they have magical thinking and think they're going to like save everybody, go storm to storm the capital. In my experience, right? In my experience, I'm just going to get a little political. Conservatives tend to, uh, be a little bit more kind of like, maybe more independent, maybe kind of more concerned with like me and my rights, mm, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm fine. I'm going to let you be. You leave me be. But if you don't leave me be, then I'm going to kind of go take action. Right, right. You're right. That's true. And if you get in my way, then I'm going to become defensive and then I'm going to say something to you. Whereas, in my experience, liberals are kind of more about the collective. Right, right. And collective rights, right? And so, and there's a lot of anger, but it's just kind of directed upward and towards systems, specific, but non specifically to certain people. And I find. Here's kind of where I look at like psychological operations and the media manipulation and things like that on the psyche, right? Because I have a conscious, collective conscious. Because like, if the messaging is white people are the enemy, white men in particular are the enemy. And then there's a bunch of people who are angry, hurt, etc. right? One, it's looshing because there's that feeding, right? Of like fear and things like that. And secondly, it's, it's touching on those wounded childhood parts right mm. and then it kind of feeds these stories someone's like i need i need someone to persecute right mm. and and this is all subconsciously happening i need someone to persecute the media is like here's the persecutor mm. kind of points and the finger it, at, at who to who to be mad at here's the enemy mm-hmm. now we're mad at china oh now we're mad at russia uh-huh. right oh yeah and so it's kind of like yeah and then we're all angry at russia mm. or whatever right okay okay i i guess i'm starting to get a clear picture if i'm understanding you correctly what you're saying is all of us as humans we go through trauma and our brains have evolved in such a way to where we have these coping mechanisms to kind of protect us like you said yet these can be harmful or detrimental to our overall health and that we need to, like you said, I forgot the word you, you you said. I think you said reintegrate our trauma or relook at it and analyze it and see what it truly was. And that we're no longer that damaged three-year-old and like fully heal yourself. And then also you, can, you, you brought up the idea that the media is kind of, you mentioned looshing, which is like generating these emotions in people and kind of, I guess... Uh, I don't want to get too conspiratorial with that. People feed off of that or whatever. And so I guess my question would be is, do you, do you think that there's, well, it's obvious there's a systematic effort to, I guess, divide people and make them feel helpless and, like you said, have an enemy to look at. But what would be 
natural coping mechanisms that would benefit us and not be detrimental to our health. Like maybe right off the top of my head, I'm thinking meditation, eating properly, all that good stuff. But it seems like there is a systematic effort through the media and seems like almost everything now is just trying to take away your attention from becoming holistically healthy and fulfilled. Would you agree? I think so. And I, I mean, I, I really think it's deliberate, right? If, if I can make you weak, then yeah, it's, you're easier to control, right? Right, right, right. So what do you think? Like, oh, I had something I had written down. So I remember you told me something last episode about how when we go through trauma and we are constantly re-experiencing it, we go into this area where we kind of numb ourselves and we could do it through drugs, through television, food, all these different things that kind of divide us even more. And then you also spoke last episode about uh, Reiki shamanic healing and how you can like help people through psychotherapy, reanalyze their traumatic events. And I came across this awesome quote by Gabrielle Roth and it kind of, it made me think about this idea of when you numb yourself and you become depressed. And so the quote goes like this. In many shamanic societies, if you, became, if you came to a medicine person complaining of being disheartened, dispirited, or depressed, they would ask one of four questions. When did you stop dancing? When did you stop singing? When did you stop being enchanted by stories? When did you stop finding comfort in the sweet territory of silence? And so I guess what I'm trying to understand is, what is it that leads people down that path of, like you said, depression? Yes, it's trauma, but why do people like, like stop dancing or singing or really being in the moment or really like experiencing life? Do you think it's just these societal pressures of the media and the food industry? Or do you think it's something that's, I don't know how to uh, frame this sentence, but why do people go into depression? Why is it so easy to, for people to fall into depressed states? Definitely. There are different causes of depression, right? Kind of what's coming to mind, what I'm guided to say is trauma does impact the brain trauma does actually damage the brain also the body is a self-healing mechanism and and machine really it all it's really ingenious and like it's always trying to heal and, and be in homeostasis mm-hmm. let's look at the body what causes depression with the body nutrition because if we're eating seed oils uh, which are inflammatory right then our then all of our organs our whole body is inflamed and it's not working properly because it's inflamed which causes an immune response mm. And so the body's focusing on healing because, hey, there's an invader, there's something to heal from rather than like thriving, right? But it also inflames the brain. Uh, seed oils, I don't know, you name it, soy, wheat, because um, these are all kind of allergens and they cause a lot of things. They they cause a lot of, they wreak a lot of havoc on, on the hormonal system and also on the digestive system. It can cause leaky gut and things like that. And your gut is your second brain, right? And it's quicker than your brain and things like that. So there's so many things there, I think, like what we actually ingest. If we're not eating a clean, organic diet made of whole foods with like very minimal ingredients, then then that would be a cause of depression. 
and then also not getting enough sunlight because it's one thing to take a vitamin D supplement. It's another thing to be out in the sun and have that connection from the sun onto your skin. It, there are different processes metabolically, metabolically that occur, right? That we do need actually to occur. If we're not grounding, the soles of our feet have tons of nerve endings and things like that. We do need to have our bare feet on the ground, right? Like ideally 30 minutes a day, but if we can do 10, that's fine. That's something because we are highly electrical and we do actually need to discharge this energy from our body, especially when we're being exposed to electromagnetic frequencies all the time, right? Mm -hmm. um, blue lights also are, are pretty bad. So going for walks, if we're not getting enough movement, all these things, and we're not draining our lymphatic system, and then we have all this waste in our body, which causes disease, really. It just causes more immune problems, mm. really. We're looking at the mind. So if we have unprocessed trauma and we have a bunch of negative beliefs about ourselves because our parents were bullies and then we were bullied in school, and so now we bully ourselves, that's a really big cause, right? If we're listening... Like, I guess it depends on what we listen to. Like, are we listening to things that cause fear? Right, right. That are sad, that, that are about shame and things like that, right? What music are you listening to? Because whatever music you sing, whatever words come out of your mouth are affirmations, right? right? I'm never going to find a man. Like, that's an affirmation, right? Yeah. Life is so miserable. That's an affirmation. So that would be an invitation to kind of reflect on, discern how you can shift that emotionally um i would say depression is a contractive state right it's not expanding so mm -hmm. contracting is like within so it is a lot of suppressing things i need to keep it together i need to be perfect i can't express i'm not safe i will not show my emotions i will not be weak i will not be sad that pressure compounds and when we don't allow our emotions to release, even little by little, then then it compounds and it starts to, your body's like, oh, cool. We don't need this, right? We don't need to express emotions. Cool, so we're just gonna suppress them then. So then we start to become numb. Hmm. Well, that's very interesting. That's kind of veering off topic, but it's exactly what I wanted to go toward too, which would you say that that is not trying to be vulnerable, like trying to, be over i guess machismo like over over like for men especially it seems like men have these characteristical traits where they don't want to show fear they want to be able to show or feel that they have control they don't they don't allow themselves to be like i guess vulnerable yes i would say so the the fourth tenet to that so we have body mind emotions and then we have the spiritual component which is purpose right which speaks to that quote that you touched on it's like if i don't have purpose like why am i doing this why am i going to this nine to five mm -hmm. i don't know because i'm told to do it that's different from well i don't like this job i hate it my boss is awful etc but i do have financial goals and i do have a, a plan to get out right okay. right so it's how we make meaning and what our purpose is if we don't have that then there's going to be spiritual challenges that are going to feed into the depression mm. uh so back to the vulnerability I guess, sorry, as a recommendation, and then I would invite you people, you know, in general, listening to this, who are interested in shifting this, look at those different components, the body, the mind, the emotions, and the spiritual. Um, I mean, I do recommend therapy if I'm honest, right? Right. But a key to therapy, like you have to find someone that's a good match with their personality and with their expertise. Someone can have a really good personality and maybe not have the training, but just that safe space alone matters. 
someone can look really good on paper, but they don't match your personality or they're a lot like one of your abusers, that's not going to work either. Mm -hmm. So you have to find that. It really is more about the personal connection because when the body feels safe, the body's going to speak. The body's going to be like, hey, there's all these aches and pains. Hey, I have inflammation here. Hey, my heart hurts. Here's why. Hey, I'm sad. Hey, I need you to know that I'm still grieving the loss of the body will speak when I feel safe. Yeah? Yeah. And um, so what was it that you were asking about vulnerability? I guess, like you were saying, the, the mind will get into that state where it feels like, it, I guess it's losing control or not being able to like be firm and stand for what they stand for. Um, because I got into this very interesting conversation with a friend of mine where we were talking about a dynamics of a relationship between a man and a husband and a wife, or a man and, a, and his wife. And we started going into down the subject of vulnerability and being able to be vulnerable. And to me, I, I told this person that it seems to me that women, either through their biology or the feminine spirit, women are almost always more conducive or more open to be vulnerable. They, they don't really hold back. They're very free to speak their emotions or to cry or to, um, I don't know, just to be able to be vulnerable and open with others. Contrary to men, most men, like you said, they have those characteristics. They will suppress their emotions. They will bottle things up. Um, they don't want to speak about their feelings. Uh, the last thing men want to do is go talk to a therapist. What do you think it is between either the biological or the spiritual sense that, that creates this great difference between men and women? Like the man is always supposed to be seen as the provider, the protector, and he never wants to show weakness because is it like a genetic? What do you think leads to this? difference between men and women where one is more vulnerable can be more vulnerable than the other okay thank you <clears throat> i'm going to circle back to that um <clears throat> i know there's a lot of social media content out there right and i'm going to give you a disclaimer and something to be aware of i guess my intention is really just to help anybody who's who's hearing me right now just with anything in this particular episode with dating advice, dating pages, anything relationship oriented, I would say balance is the key, right? Because humans aren't perfect and there are people who project their wounds out there too, right? So it's like, for example, if there's a page on, on stuff about the divine masculine and things like that, that's fine. Once it starts crossing into shaming other people, that's a red flag and it's like, okay, Hmm. Let me let me let me really dissect this and, and why this does or doesn't work for me. This specific post. I don't have to cancel this person altogether, but let me use my discernment here, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Figure out why I don't like this. Same for like divine feminine things or like everything in between, right? Narcissist pages and things like that. Like just just pay attention to that, right? Is is it balanced? Why or why not? What are this person's intentions? Because some people just kind of have a lot of anger that they need to channel, which is fine. We all have that in our grief process. But like, when is it conducive? When isn't it? And then like, are they shaming me or are they not? Okay. So those are some 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 tips there. And then let's see. I guess you're touching a lot on perfectionism. So when we were talking a little bit earlier about like 
I mean, really everything can be tied back to perfectionism. I can't remember what specifically but with the delusion stuff, worrying, worrying about what other people think, things like that. Uh, the media and what's right and wrong. And when we, okay, so that would be called an external, which is outside of us, locus of control. So someone outside of me controls how I'm perceived, what's good and right and wrong for me. Someone outside of me controls that, right? An internal locus of control would be someone who is really clear on their values. And it's like, well, I, I know what's right and wrong for me. I don't have to lean on the experts. If someone has a more external locus of control, things happened around eight years old and like there were really strict kind of paradigms there that were taught to us that we can go back and revisit now if we choose to of like maybe things aren't so black and white and so actually the wounded eight-year-old is the one who's really critical judgmental really angry and projects a lot toward other people so a lot of us have it right we can go back and help it if we want to or not right mm -hmm. so in that process cool so with that perfectionism think about it so i mean i know i think right you're you're around my age like in our 30s right, right. And we're like 20s 30s okay so then i know for our generations we were raised with parents who are more perfectionistic right oh, yeah. and it is a lot about the image and things like that and that's what they were handed down and that's what they were told was good parenting it's like you need to behave and you need to look good which is fine and it has its place also, there are a lot of detriments and shortcomings because without the right emotional support, and again, that's key is having people who, who walk alongside you and can process things with you, right? Mm. Without proper emotional support, then it does turn into internalized shame, right? Mm -hmm. And black and white thinking. And so I'm gonna go a little bit over vulnerability, communication, and then sex differences. So vulnerability, what is it, right? It's basically kind of being open-hearted and showing up and letting yourself be seen by other people, like truly seen. Hey, how are you? Fine. Is different from, hey, how are you? No. I actually am having a really rough day. I wanted to call into work because uh, I feel really sad because I really feel my dad's loss today because he died, blah, blah, blah. That's different. That's more heart-centered, right? Right, but even... if I may interject really quickly, like to me, just hearing that, like, I picture the first one being a man and the second one being a woman because to me it just seems like women are more open to be able to discuss something like that as to that would happen as as opposed to a man even if he were to lose like a father he tries really hard to like not let it show right definitely i could see that for me i feel the first one fine more airy and more disconnected and disembodied I didn't, I didn't attribute a gender. And right. for the second one, I felt more grounded, more embodied. And I think that's a really key difference because a woman could very easily be like, fine. Oh yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Everything's perfect. Hmm. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think what you said is totally valid. Also to me, I, I kind of look at it as like a, a kind of emotionally available or not since we're talking about vulnerability specifically. Right. Right. Okay. So it's important because vulnerability is important because it's how we have survived as a species, right? And we're biologically wired to be in connection and to be in community, right? If we look at, I guess, cavemen, I don't know, cave, cave, you know, those days, whatever, like we were kind of more clans people, right? And we had to take care of each other and be connected to each other. We're wired to relate with others. Vulnerability requires honesty and transparency. 
vulnerability is the foundation of intimacy, which is a core human need, which is belonging, right? Right. And, and to be seen. And so if we don't have it, then it can lead to depression and anxiety and grief and even suicidality, right? And so vulnerability is, again, to let ourselves to be truly seen and to see other people also. Because relationship is give and take. It is receiving and giving. How does that tie into communication? Because communication requires openness. Healthy communication requires openness, empathy. Empathy is being able to step into someone else's shoes and see things from their perspective. So let's say we have completely opposite political views. Well, if I have empathy, I'd be like, well, why would he think that? Mm -hmm. Makes sense. He comes from that. Okay, he values that. Okay, I could see that. That's empathy, right? Mm -hmm. um, we set pride aside, too, in healthy communication, and we seek to understand and we compromise. So I'll review those if anybody's taking notes or cares to listen. Right. Healthy communication is openness, empathy. It sets pride aside. It seeks to understand and it compromises, right? Because mm -hmm. it's not, I'm 100% right. It's, I'm here. And even if we're polar opposites, we still need to make this work because we're in a relationship. Whether it's a coworker relationship, friends, marriage, whatever, like we're a team here, right? We have a goal of like remaining in relationship is what it is. So for sex differences, and I just want to say here that my specialty is working with like binary people, so men and women and like, I guess, straight people, right? Just because I haven't had experience with others. So, right. And you can generalize if you want, and that's totally fine. Okay. So for women in general, the way that they're raised as girls, right? The way that they're socialized. So this is cultural influence is that they're allowed to express their emotions they're allowed to discuss their stressors and, oh, actually, I think I'm gonna, sorry about that. This is just women in general, sorry. They express emotions, they discuss their stressors and generally speaking, they wanna be heard. And when they share their problems, they need validation, right? They don't need solutions, they don't need opinions. They just need validation, right? right. I had a hard day. Oh yeah, that definitely sounds hard. That's it. Right. That's all she needs. <laughs> she doesn't want you to solve her problems. Nope, 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 she doesn't, right? And for a man in a relationship, or anybody in a relationship with a woman, it's like, it would be helpful. It would help so much. It would change so much if you're like, right? You could say it at the beginning, I'm so sorry, before, before you continue, would you like me to just listen and validate you? Or are you looking for solutions? But I feel like that would make the woman feel like... Um... I don't know. Maybe this is just my bias. I feel like that would make the woman, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I just have a negative connotation to the idea of being that open. Share it, share it. If you want, anyways. I mean, I'm sure people can relate. Oh, okay, so no, that's that's great. That's a good that's a good thing to like preface like before you actually like start talking. Do you want me to just uh, listen to you or do you want me to? But see, I think to me that sounds kind of condescending. Would you agree or no? It's like, what do you want me to do with you here? It's like you're kind of like uh, priming the whole thing with like, okay, what do you want me to do? Or, or am I, I just seeing it that way? Do you think that I'm just being biased? I think you live in a culture that hates men. And I think it makes sense that you would look at it that way. And I think if someone is hell-bent on being offended, they will be. 
they will find excuses to be offended. Mm, okay. Right? So if you don't feel comfortable with that, you could preface it like, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm really working on being more mindful of what I say. And I really want to respect you and kind of like give you a safer space to like share. I just want to make sure that I'm providing what you need. So like, do you want me to just listen or do you want me to come up with solutions? Wow. But see that to me, that comes like from such a high level of awareness and knowing yourself. And to me, I guess what I'm trying to ask overall with the whole thing is like, is it normal? I mean, how do humans come to this understanding to this? Like, you know, all these mechanisms and ways to like help people understand why they're behaving a certain a certain way and it seems to me like society and all of media is kind of pushing people away from that and kind of making them i guess kind of like learn self-helplessness like they don't know what to do like how do i approach this situation or this problem or how do i talk to this person that i don't completely agree with and like everything like you said in the media the news they're just filling you with this rage or this these emotions that kind of just when you don't have these mechanisms or these skills to like cope with your emotions, you kind of just run in haywire. You kind of like, like you said, just go and go numb yourself. Exactly. Because if I'm telling you there's a problem and I'm feeding that to you on TV all day and, and, and on social media all day, I'm eventually, well, I'm not seeing me. This is, government that i've seen right a lot of the time it's like hey there are these problems guess what we have the solution mm -hmm. oh thank god there's a savior yay the government yay thank you right honestly i think i think that's why and then because if we divide people pit them against each other their strength in numbers they can't possibly pit i'm sorry if they're pitted against each other they can't collaborate and then like we won't Right, right, right. Yeah, it's all the. It, it does seem systematic, and I guess my question to you now would be if, if you were to like just divide the people from, uh, I guess, maybe pre-modern age. I guess maybe not too far as cavemen, but maybe young, early mankind. If you were to pluck someone from there and pluck someone from the modern world, I mean, I think it would be easy or rightfully to assume that the person most people from the modern age are are and have all these stressors stressors upon them that make them kind of like you said go into this type of psychosis as opposed and i might just be uh, romanticizing the past it seems to me that people in the past were much more i guess independent strong they had a close-knit community of people around them to survive they weren't being poisoned by the food they weren't being poisoned by the tv it seemed like, I guess, just a much more natural way to be. So I guess my question is, do you think that it is harder now to be a self-actualized person than it was in the past? Or do you think I'm just romanticizing the past? Hmm. Because it's very hard for me to find people who are like, like for example, like you level-headed. They examine why they're feeling a certain way and they kind of like take a moment to step back and see, okay, am I doing the right thing? Uh, let me look at what I've studied and what I know about human psychology to, to do the best thing here, as opposed to like the people who are just normal everyday Joes who go do their nine to five, are tired, they have their kids, their bills, they just wanna come home and tune out. Definitely, thank you. I think the system is built to have people in states of chronic stress 
so that they don't have time to self-actualize to reflect on themselves yes mm. I, I agree with that right for sure when i tell clients when they're like nobody understands me in my circle i'm like then it sounds like you've outgrown your circle oh Not wow. bad people but it's like okay, then it sounds like you're shifting and they're not shifting with you, right? Maybe right. it's not forever, but it sounds like maybe we seek other people that align with you better. Right, right. right. Yeah. yeah, that seems to happen like that. It specifically reminds me when I was younger, like I used to do a lot of like crazy drugs, not crazy drugs, but I used to like smoke a lot of weed, take bars once in a while. And then I got to a point where I was like, like, I'm just wasting my money to do the same thing all over again, and I'm not, like, growing or anything. And I started meditating. I started running. I started, like, taking care of myself or just being a proper human, right? And, like, all of a sudden, my friends just kind of, like, started falling off. Like, they wouldn't call me as much. It, it, it goes with the path, I guess. Like you said, you've outgrown your friends. Like, you're trying to seek for something more, and those people that you used to hang out with, don't align with your new, I guess, mindset. So I guess it is kind of time to, like, move on. And even though it might be hard and sad, like I always say, growth comes from being uncomfortable. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for being vulnerable and for sharing that, yeah. You think um, that was being vulnerable? Absolutely. Because you're not like, oh, yeah, <clears throat> totally, moving on. Yeah, you're sharing about yourself. See, I guess that's what I'm, uh, that conversation I had with my with my friend, it's like, I, I don't know why, but I see being vulnerable as a negative thing. Could you help me uh, maybe clear that up? And maybe am I correct in that? Or is there, because like from what I heard you saying, there is positives to being vulnerable. So how could you help me shift my view to from seeing vulnerability as a bad thing? Yes. Um, I want to say, sorry to wrap it up, with the younger that we are, the more traumatized we are, we haven't processed things. So like we end up having a lot of trauma bonds with people. You're suffering, I'm suffering, we have the same trauma. Yay, we're friends. As we get older, we're like, I need to heal past the trauma, through the trauma. And not everybody's willing to go on that journey. So I just kind of wanted to know that. Vulnerable being bad is usually a paradigm that we're fed, right? Let me see. Look. If you want, you can share. If not, I'll use a general example. I think I'll start with the general example, and then if you want to share specifics, go for it. Okay. And I haven't even touched on the men part yet, so there's that too. <clears throat> so for me, I came from Southern California. I'm Mexican-American. Everybody there's Mexican, Mexican-American for the most part, right? And like, I mean, where I lived, it wasn't, it wasn't a rough neighborhood, but I know people that did live in a rough neighborhood, and people who lived in a rough neighborhood and maybe who, who experienced more poverty were like hard. Right, right. But they had to be hard because, like, if they didn't, what? They were going to be bullied. They could get shot. They could die. Right. Like, yes, okay. Yes, right? I see. Well, they have to, like, for survival. Um, we're talking about being Mexican. <laughs> then I'm assuming that a lot of people, let me see. I can think of, I don't know anymore, men in their uh, 40s plus for sure, right? It's like they were taught that to be a man, you have to be a provider and you have to be stern. They were taught perfectionism and that's right, it. Right. Right. I'm thinking a lot of my grandma today because she died and, and her birthday was this, this week. Oh, I'm but sorry. Like, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, and so it's like she had a really perfectionistic paradigm and I, and I know that and she instilled it in my mom and all these things. So it's like and she raised a son, too. Right. So 
she she needed to be a homemaker and she needed to be really good at everything she did really good at making gel gelatins and cakes and have everything together mm. one that's just what she was taught because that's what her parents were taught also she came up from a really narcissistic family system right mm -hmm. and so i look at men just kind of in general like the typical kind of mexican man right it's like he's meant he, he's taught to be perfect too right mm -hmm. you need to work you need to do this, you need to take care of your family, you need to take care of your wife, right. and you can't complain about it. Right, and don't cry. And don't cry. So what is he gonna do? Of course he's gonna go drink, like duh. Like that's why there's so many alcoholic Mexican men, right? Mm -hmm. What else is he gonna do? He can't talk to anybody, like, and that's why they also end up, um, I mean, being unfaithful, unfortunately, a lot of the time. Cause it's like, they can't resolve conflict, because if they resolve conflict, they're, they're, they're shaking the, the, the web, they're shaking, the, they're rocking the boat, mm -hmm. right? They don't have anybody to go to. No one's going to understand. There, there are no safe spaces there. So to the bottle, it is. To other self-destructive behaviors, it is, you know? Mm -hmm. God. Yeah, I know. I, I, I don't know why, but sometimes I've fit these Instagram videos of like men, and then they have like this sad ambient music in the back. And it's mostly like uh, videos of men who are like sad or like tired or like, and it's usually always with the connotation or the message of men have a lot of like feelings and problems, but we're just grown in the society where it's not okay to let them out. Like men are supposed to be the provider. We're supposed to be strong. Uh, women and children are the ones who have the opportunity or the privilege to, to talk about their feelings or cry or be open. And it's crazy because these videos will have like thousands, hundreds of thousands of likes and all the comments would be like of men. You could tell it's just like, yeah, nobody gets it. I, I, I can never talk to anybody about this stuff. And like you said, yeah, it's extremely sad that we're in this society. And I wonder if this is in just the Mexican community because I'm sure I, I've seen it in the Asian community. You know, they have to hold face. They're very like critical about how you represent the family. And like if you do leave in like, the smallest things they're like shun you out or like disown you and do you think that this type of mentality goes throughout all cultures or do you think that there were cultures or in the past uh there was a more healthy view toward letting men kind of be open i can say for present day yes i think it holds true for all, all cultures that i'm aware of I think there are some cultures, and I, I can think of one, honestly, I, but there are some cultures that are more able to kind of like stand up to these things. And the only one that I can think of is like white American culture. To me, that's the medicine that white American culture has given me is like, oh, you can self-advocate? What? Mm -hmm. You can set boundaries? You can move away from your family? What? What are you talking about? This is like a new concept to me right 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 yeah but that's and, and sure as much crap as like individualistic american culture gets it's it can be such medicine especially when you do have a lot of you know trauma in your family and toxicity yeah yeah that's crazy um so let's get to the part where you're going to get into vulnerability and in men of course and so vulnerability, I think, can be seen as bad if it's if it's kind of like dangerous, right? But it can also be seen as bad if it's like, I mean, I guess it would also even be dangerous of like losing connection with my parents or or getting beat or something like that. So there is kind of a deeply kind of ingrained thing. And I think it is more for men because I think for, for girls, it's like 
well, we have to be sweet to girls, right? We take yeah. care of but boys need to just be tough because they're just born that way, even if it's a baby, you know? Yeah, but see, do you think that I feel like that's more biological and uh, genetic? Would you agree? Like that, the men have we're stronger genetically. Uh, we can run faster, uh, so so instinctually, I guess we're all kind of pushed into that role of going to kill the animal, going to the hunt, putting yourself in danger, really risking your life, as opposed to the woman who's either at home gathering the herbs, raising the children, a much more relaxed ambience. You know? I guess so. I think what, when I look at that, it's like, that's fine. Yes, sure, the, the woman is really good at being a nurturer and her body is softer and that stuff too. Like, that's great. But like, shouldn't she also have boundaries and, and, and have a voice so that she can stand up to other people who are trying to abuse her kids? Yes, of course. Right? And I feel like that that's the missing, like this is kind of what we call the unhealed feminine is like, she doesn't have boundaries. She doesn't speak up for herself and things like that. And that is, I think, a lot of the way that we have raised women so it's imbalanced but when we have a woman who has who's nurturing and expresses herself and all these other things like but also doesn't project her emotions onto people but also takes accountability but also asserts herself but is also really kind and, and is everything is pretty balanced like that's really empowering and that's really inspiring right mm -hmm. con con conversely when we have a man who like is really intelligent and all these things, but also really heart centered and speaks to his passion and leads other people and has a lot of integrity and has a lot of courage and speaks up to other people and stands up for other people and doesn't allow bullies, bullies to get away with things um, and is also emotionally available. That's really inspiring too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's like, I just think that there's components that maybe we're not teaching. And hey, if you're a parent, it's an invitation to like, do this with your kids right <clears throat> so with men right in general men are, are more apt to express thoughts instead of emotions men tend to share experiences insights and research instead of their stressors yeah because if men share stressors then it's like hey dude i trust you i'm gonna share the situation i'm not gonna ask you for help but i'm, I'm sharing because and so, so this is there's that, that vulnerability piece. It's like, this is just what I've learned from men, right? Men, when they when they seek about talk about stressors, it's because they're asking for help. And it means that they trust you and it means that they feel safe enough to trust you with their problems because they've thought about it over and over and over and sideways and like up and down and like they can't really figure it out fully. And so they're coming to you and they're sharing this with you to get your perspective because they value your perspective or they value you as a person. Mm-hmm, true. But... Um, because men share experiences and are kind of more cerebral and disconnected from the body, there you go, because we're trying to talk about like how men, maybe in a, to balance and not more, would be more heart-centered and in their body. <clears throat> um, this can be construed by other people as mansplaining. Right. <laughs> it's like, well, well, let's turn it around, right? Because I'm a Libra. I like to balance things out and be objective. Like, okay. But if we switch it around and we were to call a woman a crybaby because she's sharing her emotions all the time, that's that's not politically correct. That's to be ostracized. I'm the enemy, right? Yeah. And at the end of the day, like, we're kind of name-calling and we're kind of blaming the person, but, like, why can't we just hold space for his thoughts? Like, <laughs> what's wrong with that, right? And But also, this is kind of where, where it would be helpful for the man to, like, ask for permission to, hey, you know, I have some thoughts on that. Would you like feedback on that? No. Okay, cool. <clears throat> oh, 
Or actually, I heard you say this. I have some solutions if you care to listen to them. Okay, great. But this is things that society in general could do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and men in general, <clears throat> so women want to be heard, but men want to be valued, right? Which is why, like, the mansplaining happens. Because it's like, I, I need to be valuable. I, I, I need to provide something, right? I need to provide value. So, uh, uh, oh, I, yeah, I know a little bit about this. Let me, let me just share it. That's what happens, actually. It's a lot of anxiety that goes underneath that. Mm, but the man doesn't know he's experiencing anxiety because he's not connected to his body. And he's also not vulnerable enough, hasn't felt safe enough. Why would he share that with just a stranger that he's having anxiety and he's expressing his thoughts? So now it's looking like man's playing. Yeah, yeah. Because more often than not, it's not that men are just aiming to be condescending. And if they are, that's a toxicity issue. That's a grandiosity issue. That's a narcissism issue. That's not a man issue. Hmm. Right? Just like if a woman were to talk down to anybody, that's a toxicity thing. That's not a woman thing. Right? Right. right. Okay. So then, yeah, women, I guess the way that they're raised, right? Girls are generally raised with, like, softness, tenderness. They're given space to express their emotions. They're expected to be emotional. And they are provided with more emotional support in general, right? right? When they're distressed. Whereas boys are expected to be tough, to suck it up, and to not be soft, and to be brave, and to be providers. Um, well, to me, it also seems like men kind of can be more expendable. Like, for example, on the Titanic, when they were, they were rescuing the people, it was women and children first, and kind of like men, like, dude, sorry, but uh, we got to save them. And I, I can see that it's because women and children continue life. But it's just like, man, it's, it's weird. How would you explain that dynamic of, like, whenever there's... They're picking, okay, who do we save? Who do we save? Would you go along with that idea of only first the women and children, or would you try to, like, slip in a man once in a while? Or how do you see that? I don't like anything that's in balance. I guess I'll say that. But I some thoughts that I just have is just, like, I mean, I don't know if you're this way. If you feel like you would like to share, then great. If not, that's totally fine. I'm like... I can't picture myself sacrificing my life for anybody. But like my <laughs> husband, my husband is like that, right? Most guys that I know are like that. And I'm like, why? And I kind of feel like it's a biological thing for men. I don't know. I, I again I can't picture myself doing that. Like maybe for one of my children, right? Like if it came down to it, but I'd rather be alive for my other child, actually. I'd rather stay alive for my husband, like Right? Uh-huh. If I could, I'd rather not die if I didn't have to. Right, right. Like, like men are just like, yes, I'll sacrifice myself. And I do think it's biological because funny, funnily and synchronistically, it's earlier today I saw a video of uh, it was a dad who had a mask and he came to scare like his, his wife. But, his, but the wife and the son were laying in bed. And when the dad came in with the mask, the son automatically got up and grabbed like a, like a, it was a fake blow up hammer. And he automatically ran to hit the dad. And the caption was like, it, I think it said something like, it's written within men that we are to protect. Like, it's natural for men to feel like they need to protect the women. And I, it was pretty interesting because I think if you were to do that experiment between a family, you know, a dad trying to scare a mom, the girl, the little, if she had a daughter, maybe the daughter would be more afraid, right? She'd run away. But the son, it seems like the boys are more like, oh, shit, I, I really got to protect my mom or I really got to do something. I truly feel like you like that's genetic or 
that's writ into the DNA of what creates the human species. That makes sense. That makes sense. <clears throat> I think that, yes, that men, boys are wired to, to do that. I'm thinking about like when I used to work at a middle school, boys are like that. Like I feel like middle school, that's when they're barely starting to like show signs of being indoctrinated by society because then they're like, oh, I need to fit in somewhere. Who am I going to be? Oh, right? yeah, yeah, for sure. But, but there's a big difference between sixth grade and eighth grade. And so <clears throat> the only times that I really saw boys not stand up for other people, even then they still wanted to and they felt a lot of frustration when they couldn't. But the only times that they that they wouldn't is when they were humiliated by saying they're done oh. and, and, and that kind of thing. Because to me, it's like a life forcing. It's like, oh, well, now I have a really low self-esteem and like no one listens to me anyway. So like... Why would I speak up? I'm just gonna get hurt, right? Right. <clears throat> um, I'm saying... Well, I, I guess as we begin to close, I love how you said we all need therapy. And that's true because like I said, therapists, they have all these skills and mechanisms to kind of like keep yourself in check and have discernment, which I feel is like the biggest key. Like how does one gain discernment and how do you know if you have proper or bad discernment like how do you know because that's a very thin line to be able to be like okay I'll accept this I'll look into this and I'll deny that and just ignore that I know that's bullshit like how does one create or attune to have a proper discernment mm. <clears throat> this is my view on this again trauma specialist right because a lot of people are disconnected. It's like the, the mind brain lives over here up in the clouds and then the body is either nowhere to be found or is way down there back on earth, right? And I guess a way to know that the discernment is either good or bad, to use your words. I find that it's it's generally good or, or gooder or more good. If, <laughs> if, if things in your life are, are going smoothly because, I mean, cool, you're making the right decisions, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. If things are flowing smoothly, cool. Right right wife, right job, right area to live, okay, cool. Right parenting techniques, cool, right? I would say that they're more bad if, if things are chaotic and if there's a lot of drama and if there's a lot of conflict in the life. <laughs> right. So, like, okay. it's kind of, it's not a black and white thing, but it's like a continuum. So, bad is kind of on one end and then good would be on another end. Yeah? Right, right. How to attune to that? I would say practice getting into your body, right? So like, yes, you could do yoga, you could do any kind of exercise. So let's just say you can do any kind of exercise, right? Even walking, you can do any kind of exercise and then try paying attention to what, what it feels like in your body when you breathe as you're doing the exercises. Maybe you're dancing and just like, oh yeah, I could feel that. Or you're dancing and you're rotating and it's like, oh, yeah, I can feel the breeze up against my skin. That's pretty mm. nice. Simple, small little things, and then they build up. And you're asking your body, how does this feel? And your body's going to answer because it, it wants to connect with you. It wants to tell you things. Wow. So the, you start that conversation with your body. You go for a walk and you're like, you breathe and you're like, oh, that feels good. Or nope, this air is too cold. Or Ugh, this gives me allergies, right? Right. And then you're like, oh, man, it's really sunny here. That doesn't feel good. And then you're like, oh, let's go to the shade. Oh, that's refreshing. Those little things, that's you connecting with your body. So then your body's going to tell you, for example, 
when something is a yes, your body kind of opens up. Let me see. It's a yes. Your body, your your body kind of opens up and feels relieved. It kind of relaxes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and when it's a no, your body kind of tenses up or maybe like gets defensive or wants to put its hands up or cringes, right? Right. So, for example, just just as an example, right? My name is Miguel. Just noticing what your body does, right? My name is Juan. Noticing what your body does. Yeah, it kind of wants to like jump in and agree, like, yes. Yeah, my name is Roger. Yeah, right? nothing, nothing. <laughs> yeah, I am American. Right? So like, yeah, exactly. There's there's those little differences. And, and that's another exercise you could kind of do with your body too, right? I love Chick-fil-A. I hate Chick-fil-A. Right. Yeah, interestingly, I had another right after you, your first podcast appearance. I had another guy, Jehan Satur. He's kind of like a, a self-help guy. And he he showed me this exercise that you could do that relates to this. So he said, um, have somebody else like put your arms out and have somebody kind of like put a little bit of pressure on them, like pushing them down a little bit. And then you can have like a series of questions already planned that you give it to them and they read to you. And so they would start off by first like tuning it. Like they would ask you, like you said, they would give you your fake name and your, your body would kind of like lose power. So it would be easier to get your hands pulled down. And whenever he said like, is your name, your proper name, you would be more like stronger. And so that would be a, a kind of a way to gauge what your body is agreeing and disagreeing to. And then you can further go, go down to like, do I like my job? And you feel the, how, how much tension there is within your arms. And that, that's very interesting how y'all kind of both see that the body instinctually wants to, like, like you said, talk to you. Yes. Is that applied kinesiology or muscle testing? I don't know. That's the, the way he explained it to me is like you just, you kind of like testing your body, like if it agrees or disagrees with the question by putting some tension on your arms. I'm pretty sure that's muscle testing. That's super cool. What is yes. that called? Let me write that down. Muscle what? Muscle testing. Muscle testing. Okay, I'm going to look into that later. But yeah, I remember he told me that and I've been meaning to like have that. But like again, I feel very vulnerable to, to write these questions that I want to ask my personal self and give them to somebody else. You know, even to my wife, I'd be like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know why that is. I guess that's just a man thing. But I, I really want to work on that and like be able to be more open. I'm going to give two book recommendations if you care to look at them, or maybe in order for anyone listening. Power Power versus Force is a book, and that talks a little bit about, I guess, muscle testing, how we all kind of have information to anything, as long as, like, we kind of connect with the body, basically. Okay. It's really dense, but I I kind of feel like you would be able to kind of take it in. Okay. Um, The other book is, like, I think it's called The Power of Vulnerability. Okay, I think I'm going to check that one out. That one's by Brené Brown. It's very simple. But generally speaking, if we can't be vulnerable, it's because there's shame there. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do feel shame. Like, I feel like if I were to, like, for example, I'll be open with you. I want to write down maybe, like, why don't you wake up early all the time? Or, like, why don't you go to sleep at a certain time? Like, kind of like like pointing the finger at myself. Like, that, that to me, it feels like I'm showing weakness or, like, I'm not what I could be, you know? 
Mm-hmm. And that usually comes from our parents, like messages that they gave us. Right. Yes. Oh, that's good to explore too. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is I did something bad, which is outside of me. And I can change my behavior, which is cool. Shame is I'm bad. Yes. And I can change who I am. So then that's kind of a deeper thing to work through. So for the discernment, so final thoughts are like questions to ask yourself. I think in general, if you're trying to refine things, um, your body's going to give you one of three answers. Or, yeah. Right? As you, as you ask a question. So it's either yes, no, or not yet. Mm, so those are like the typical responses the body gives? Yeah. Wow. So it's like, for example, like, I was like, okay, cool. Should I travel to Albuquerque to do this training? Because I want to. I bought the ticket. And my body was like, not yet. Like, I don't have the answer for you yet. And I was like, ugh. Mm. <laughs> right? Um, I ended up going, and it was like super last minute. And it was like, yes, yes, go now, yes. And I was like, okay, cool. And it wasn't a panic, yes. It was just like, yes. My body was like, okay, received. Hmm. Right? Um, so, yeah. That just made me think of this little mechanism that I, I forgot where I learned it. But if you're like stuck in between two decisions, like, um, for example, should I take this job or not? Uh, one thing that you could do is get a quarter and assign heads. I take the job, tails. I don't take the job. And when you flip it in the air, your your subconscious self would automatically be like, I want it to be in heads. Please be in heads. And that's kind of a way to like hijack what you truly really want like by using a quarter and like assigning a yes or a no and then right when the coin is in the air you'll be like oh please please be heads and then it's like that's another mechanism that I've used to help me sometimes make decisions or further examine a decision I'm gonna make yes and if it isn't heads then you're like dang I wanted it to be tails and then you have a decision do I go with what the coin said or do I go with what my heart's telling me right. now right yes 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 exactly oh my god the human like it the mind is so interesting and it's so crazy how only now recently well I think in the past the distant past they understood human psychology as well but it seems like now thanks to psychology and clinicians like yourself and people who are delving into the mind like this ambiguous non-physical place and they're they're discovering all these terms all these things that affects us and and like just it's it's so fascinating definitely i have a tip there too for depression because there was a point in time where i was super depressed and i just really couldn't make decisions so i started carrying a coin with me and i was like look i'm gonna just follow what the coin says since i can't decide and i'm gonna just see where that path leads me because clearly where i am it just isn't working so I would just kind of ask yes or no questions and then just follow whatever the, the coin um, had me do all day. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I was able to start making decisions for myself again. Oh, that's so helpful. funny. You know, that reminds me of the book, The Alchemist. Have you read it? Yes. Where he has those rocks that kind of help him decide things. Um, yes. Oh, man. This is such, such a great conversation. Uh, maybe I would like to do one with you uh, personally, like not post it. And really, like, I, I want to read that book, The Power of Vulnerability and the power of force and like I really want to figure out what it is between like sometimes myself like I I do hold myself to such a high standard but I can also find easy cop-outs to do things like just to like be bad or like eat wrong or drink extra beer you know it's like I want to really be in the practice all the time because it's so easy for me to like just find excuses to like 
to cheat on, on my food or my what I'm working working out or any things that I'm actually trying to work on. You know, I want to really not also also I don't want to be too hard on myself. You know, this is too personal, anyways. I want to thank you so much, Beatrice, for coming on. Um, I love the way you think and you break things down, and I love that you're a, a legit clinician who studied like the alternative pathways to like have the holistic approach and like what. I, I feel like when I was asking you questions, I'm trying to find like the, the number one solution to like fix somebody, but it's, there isn't, I think now. There's a whole holistic thing like you were talking about. It's nutrition, it's uh, uh, what you eat, how you sleep, uh, do you meditate, do you exercise? It's a whole range of factors that contribute to like a proper successful person. And, and I, I thank you for like seeing that more clearly now. Of course, absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you. Is it okay if I share some closing thoughts? Yes, please, please. Perfect, perfect, thank you. <clears throat> a lot of the times when we find that we can't shift, it is an element of self-sabotage. And that self-sabotage is shame because it's like, I'm a bad person, so I don't deserve good things. So then there's that, there's that paradigm there. And it's like, that's kind of clouding everything. And it's like, I don't deserve good things. Yes, I want to get in good shape, but I don't deserve that. I don't deserve to be attractive. I don't deserve to be seen. I don't want to be seen. But see, it's right? not even that. It's, it's more like, I'm, not I'm tired. I don't want to do it. It's more like a motivation issue because I don't feel like I don't. Like, I'm pretty fit. I'm pretty healthy. I don't feel like I shouldn't. It's just more like a conviction to... to Either I'm not motivated because I haven't slept right. It's like a whole range of issues, but I feel like there is something to what the the war of art, the book calls resistance. There's always this resistance that's keeping us from reaching the points that we want to reach. Might not be a strong enough purpose then. How so? Like, why am I getting why am I getting up then? I don't know. I don't have a reason. But that when you really have a reason and you're really honed in and you really align with the values of like why you have that reason, then it's easy. It's easy to just have fun and, and work toward that goal or Right. Yeah. Right. But I think I don't know, maybe I'm just finding a way to cop out, but I think it's different with exercising because it does take physical effort, you know, and if you don't got it because you didn't eat right or slept right, you're more uh, you're more prone to like be like, ah, I'll just work out tomorrow. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, I want to say so to bridge the gap between men and women. So I would say for men, men must be able to connect to themselves, right, to their bodies and to their emotions, and they must feel safe enough in their body uh, to risk being vulnerable and to practice expressing their emotions. And then the woman's part in that would be to support men emotionally mm -hmm. and to help reparent them really in a way to be like kind of that that big space to be able to receive the male really energetically, emotionally, mentally, that kind of thing. Right. Rather than make fun of them for expressing their emotions or anything like that or dismissing them. Uh, and then so then they have to drop their egos, right? Everybody has to drop their egos to, to really get into that vulnerable space. And then... Let me see. For anybody, I, I think this is particularly for men, but I, for anybody who's looking to get in touch more with their emotions or figure out kind of what's going on with their body, kind of this is another way to get get that conversation going. Google emotion wheel. There's going to be different ones. You go to the images and then just pick one that you like and then start to look at it a few times a day. Just kind of check in. Maybe you have a timer, maybe not, and just be like, look at that picture and then be like, 
I guess I'm feeling neutral right now. Or, oh yeah, I feel really irritated. I feel irritated because I feel rejected and I feel annoyed. Okay. Cool. I feel sad. I feel sad because I feel guilty. Um, I feel abandoned. Okay. Stuff like that. Like it starts to get rich, right? right? Yeah. Cause I feel like men have a very basic understanding of feelings. It's either happy, sad, angry, uh, mm. drunk, probably. It's like they don't have uh -huh. a big repertoire of things. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So that'll help anybody. And yeah, thank you so much for having me as a guest. I appreciate it. Well, hey, please plug in all the things, guys. She actually, like she said, she has a website. It is loveishealingllc.com. And you can schedule to have a personal talk with her. She does coaching, chakra work, energy balancing, inner child healing, Reiki, psychotherapy, all these amazing things. And uh, you have a book? I see, you see, you have a Oh, no, to I book. I don't have a book. I want to write a book. You I know, should. I'm not quite. You should. I also have a whole other team under me. Um, I am, we are able to see clients, uh, depending on the provider, in California, Florida, Oregon, New Mexico, Texas, and Oklahoma. Okay, cool. Awesome. And cool. I love how, like, your, your uh, mission statement is from the Beatles. Uh, again, it says, take these broken wings and learn to fly and that's beautiful that's perfect because we all do have broken wings all of us even though we if we live in a rich family we all experience some type of trauma somehow and it's just like and like you said it it, it roots out and it comes out in ways that are, are harmful to us and it's always good when you can talk to someone who has spent a large portion of their life actually studying these things and how the mind and the brain and the soul, how it all works together. And I love that you figured out at eight, at eight years old that this is what you were going to do with your whole life. I love that too. <laughs> I'm grateful. Well, thank you, Magnolia. Is there anything else you want to plug? Anything else you want to share with people? You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Our handle is also Love is Healing LLC. And that's all I have, yeah. Okay, I'm going to put all the links down below, guys. Uh, I'm going to also put links for the books Power versus Force, uh, Power of Vulnerability for the Emotion Wheel, uh, Muscle Testing, and other things I noted down here. But thank you so much. I, I really like this talk, and I hope we can do it some other time. Lily, thank you. All right, guys, that was Magnolia, and y'all can find all the links down below. Remember, know thyself, improve thyself, find the others, and then you'll know what to do. Peace. All right, guys, that was our podcast with Magnolia Beatriz from Love is Healing. I hope y'all enjoy that. Um, I really like talking about vulnerability and psychology and how the mind works and how it kind of affects our behavior and limits us to the great potential that we could be. And so I, I hope you guys dig those books. I'm going to link them down below. The books were uh, Power versus Force. Let me see. I got it right here. Power versus Force and The Power of Vulnerability. I'm going to put the links down below, and I'm going to put Magnolia's links down below. Also, please go check them out and send a tip to the show. Somebody send a really kind... A generous tip the other day uh, but they asked to remain anonymous i just want to say thank you and i uh, hope you guys are sharing the show uh not so much for me but for other people you know to maybe they hear something that helps them fix some shit in their life or open their mind in a new kind of way but i hope you like that and to end the show i want to end with this song that i've been jamming to today it's bob marley again <clears throat>
he's a real true powerful force in the music industry. You know, he was speaking out against the vampires, against the Babylonians, against this dark oppressive force. And um, there's a really happy song from him, and it's just simply Wake Up and Live by Bob Marley. Peace.
Peace.